I would say, yeah, during 11th grade when my eyes became both bad, uh, like it was in the middle of school year and nobody oh, right. knew what to do. And it was just a really messy period. But um, I would say I still did decently well uh, at school, still maintained like good grades. And uh, because maybe it's because like the culture I came came from, but right. Um, that was the there was definitely right? a period. I, yeah, I was talking to another teacher uh, during, I guess, 12th grade. And we were talking about me and then me becoming blind. And I think I mentioned to her, like, you know, everybody gets a midlife crisis, but mine came a little bit uh, sooner. Uh, a lot sooner. <laughs> a lot sooner. <laughs> but I felt like, yeah, there was a period where I was struggling uh, mentally, trying to like figure out um, uh, what it is. And, you know, initially it wasn't that bad. Uh, I was like, well, I like that attention, you know, um, people are, are like noticing me. And, but then sure. like, it really hit me. Uh, I remember it was like during winter break. And then I was like, why am I like this? And that really uh, drove me a little bit crazy. Um, you know, a couple of meltdowns here and there, but after that, I was fine. So, uh, got that out of my system now. I guess I'm fine. <laughs> and but, that, yeah, that makes yeah. just you're a strong person because of this experience. Oh yeah, and I think from this this experience, I've learned to appreciate more of what I have uh, because I know that any day it could be gone, either gradually or just like in a snap. So. Uh, it really reminded me how I got to be grateful for what I have and uh, yeah, trying to give back to the people who helped me out. Exactly. <laughs> I yeah. wanted to ask you, uh, what is uh, one rewarding thing that you feel like you had from working with, uh, in the special ed field, like in the special ed educational field? Uh well, I haven't always been in special ed. Okay. So I could tell you throughout my teaching career, the biggest, you know, joy that I would get, um, I used to teach reading recovery, which was first grade. And mm -hmm. I would work with the bottom 20% as the teacher observed as, as quickly as possible, because we'd try to start working with the kids pretty fast in the beginning of the year and I would test them. And then, you know, the ones that were behind where they normally would have been um, teaching them to read and write and the amazing progress you would, you would think first grade. Okay. You mm -hmm. know, what are they capable of doing? But the progress, you can actually see it mm -hmm. from, I mean, they can't read, they can't, uh, sound out a word they don't know mm -hmm. their letter sounds they don't know their letter id uh, they can't they can't hold a pencil correctly and then from like the beginning until like 20 weeks later usually it's 20 20 week program yeah. uh, they have all this and you're able to show them and so it was easier wow. to do that because they made so much growth you can okay this is what you wrote for me the first day and it was like two letters and what, meanwhile, I'm dictating, okay, can you write, can you write the word mom or 
dad mm -hmm. and they yeah. would put maybe a D or an M uh, uh, and and then at the end of our program, which is still, in, it was like 20 weeks into first grade, or then we had a second round. Uh, okay, here's the sheet where you wrote this, this, uh, you know, and usually they would get a letter down, not necessarily a uh -huh. word. They might have one word. And then you compare the beginning of the year or the beginning of the program until the end of the program. And, and all of a sudden the, the latter part has a bunch of words spelled correctly from left to right in order uh, yeah. that was really dramatic because you can see it and you can show them and they because they don't know they can't tell that they're yeah. making progress it's harder to do that in the upper grades to show um mm -hmm. uh, you can still take those you know little pieces that they get and and try to motivate them because sometimes mm -hmm. when the kids start and they're like, Oh my gosh, I've got all this stuff to do and I don't want to do it. You know, it's a motivation mm -hmm. thing. And of course, you know, they're older as well. And as long as you can help, uh, help them along. Okay. Let's just, let's do this one at a time. Don't look at the whole picture. We do a step at a time. Okay. So today we're just going to do this. And then we'll accomplish and then we then we can start yeah. on the other thing because part of the thing and i think this goes for all level of teachers students you name it anybody that has to do anything they look at that big picture and it's overwhelming you have to start with number one let's get this done check it off the list get this done check it off the list and pretty soon you're there but um it's hard to chunk things and separate yeah. things and make it to where you don't just go blind and well, so to speak. Sorry about that. <laughs> I use that no, term a lot. Fine. But you, you, in other words, you go, uh oh, and you, you lose your mind and you shut down because yeah. it's too much. It's overwhelming. So whenever uh, I can do that with the students here and break things up into pieces, manageable, I think that that is helpful. And when we're when they go all the way to the end, then, you know, they can see that they've achieved it and they're happy mm. about it. So, yeah, uh, I was thinking about there's definitely a lot of words of affirmation that goes into motivating somebody. Um, and also, I was thinking whenever someone shuts down, do you give them more time, like more space and then like come back to them? It depends on the student because there are some that literally they have it in their, their IEP, which is their individual education plan. Uh, because of past experience, uh, if, if you give them maybe, okay, give them a minute wait time just because maybe you don't know them or that's what you would normally do and you come back, that's not enough for some students. You literally have to, they have to go through their own situation maybe it's behavior they're trying to calm down or they just need they they don't you can't sit and talk to them and try to motivate them they have the less you talk the better so it mm -hmm. just depends on the students as far as wait time and patience yes you you can give them more uh is it a situation where you don't know them and you have to kind of back off until you get to know them and and then or, you know, you know them and they, they have a certain amount of time that they need. Generally, you give it, as long as you're not busy doing a bunch of other things, 
you give maybe a minute wait time. You try to lessen the things that you're saying because the more you say, the more they have to process and it, that may be overwhelming to them as well. If you talk too much, and there are a lot of teachers that talk too much. I mm. catch myself mm. talk, talking too much and they may be thinking about something else and I'm totally, they only hear part of what you say. So you have to sometimes choose your words carefully to get their attention and then just hone it down real simple. Otherwise you will lose them, so. Yeah, um, it, there is a lot that goes into um, making sure someone's uh, really, I guess for the lack of a better word, uh, having being attentive towards a certain task or being motivated of, on doing certain a certain something. And yeah, like working with people with disabilities, it's, it really, uh, I would say, uh, on on the fly career i don't know it's like you, you gotta be really observant of uh the person with disabilities and actually um uh, my first guest she's looking to being a uh getting into the special educational field as a teacher mm -hmm. and what words of advice would you give her well you know that's the thing uh everyone's going to be different so yeah you're going to have to look and change your approach a lot. I have to do that as well, because you might just have certain assumptions about how to start working with someone. And then even when you are working with them, all of a sudden something changes. And if you're not getting the results, they're not being successful and you're not being successful teaching them in certain ways, you have to figure out how is it that they're going to learn I mean, you have to teach the way they learn and everybody's different. Mm -hmm. You can't, they, you know, they don't learn necessarily the way we teach. Mm -hmm. We have to teach, we have to figure it out each individual and teach mm -hmm. the way they learn. Mm -hmm. And um, I usually, I mean, over the course of, I don't know how many years I've been teaching. Sometimes I stay up at night or my mind races at night uh, because I, I'm puzzling over a student and what, how can I get through to them in a certain area? How can I help them this way? And I always think of my greatest thoughts at night mm -hmm. that keep me up, that haunt me. And usually I keep a pen and paper, you know, handy because, you know, I'll have to jot something down so I, I don't yeah. forget. And yeah. so, yeah, you have to be able to be very flexible and think and, and don't be afraid to ask someone else too. I mean, of course, now we have the internet, my gosh, you can find anything you want. But, um, you know, find something if it's if it seems really good and something easier, easy to try and it may be just your approach the way you approach them uh, verbally, or maybe uh, you're making a manipulative to help in a them learn a certain way yeah try try something if it doesn't work you know you go back and you try it again and you try and try and usually you will find successes um and and then you'll just be able to go from there and you'll figure it out and students do you have to treat them differently in some ways so yeah yeah we gotta you so gotta figure it I'm... out that's what you do 
I've asked you a lot of questions. And do you have any questions for me specifically? Well, I'm curious about some things about you. Because when you first came in, I mean, we just got to work. We, you, oh, yeah. you know, you need to help on something or I, you needed uh, me to read something or type something. And that's all we did. We mm -hmm. occasionally, we would have a chat. And I, mm -hmm. I know that you, you've talked to me about when you first, you know, your visual disability came upon you and yeah. you, you denied it at first. Oh yeah. And, <laughs> and I thought that was really interesting because I didn't know and, um, you know, you just always, you come in with a smile and a great attitude, but I, you know, I, in the back of my mind, I, I'm sure that it's not all rosy or hasn't always been, of course, mm. and you have such a great attitude. Yeah. Um, when you first came in, I know that you were, you entered our program, although you didn't start that first semester, it was the last semester of your uh, junior year. I think you were still working with 504 at the time. Yeah. And then the following fall, I knew you were going to be in our program, but I had kind of forgotten. And then when you showed up, I thought, oh, yeah. And I had gone to your art meeting. And when oh, yeah. you came in, I think at first you were, I don't remember what was going on in my classroom, but I'm sure it was probably a little eye-opening. Maybe someone was yelling. I don't I don't remember exactly what, what was happening. Uh, um, I don't know. But I wonder what was your first impression when you came in? I mean, I know that you, mm -hmm. you, you didn't come in at first a whole lot and then all of a sudden you were there a lot. What was your yeah. impression when you started coming to my room and have me help you or, you know, I had a lunch, someone covered me for lunch and then I had seventh period, I had another teacher covering me. So what was your first impression? Well, uh, thinking back, I would say I spent a lot of time in your room. So yeah. I, everything's kind of murky, but as for first impressions of the room, I would say that at first I thought it was just like any type of classroom. I, yeah. And I thought like when they put on my uh, IEP, it was like my, like only like, like my space. So when yeah. I walked in, I saw other students, I believe. Yeah. And I was kind of surprised. And I guess when I, I met you and then when I sat down, I think, I'm not sure if I sat down or not, but when I, let's say, yeah, I think I sat down. And then uh, when I looked around, I started to notice that uh, the people in there were different from the people that I typically uh, interact with. Yes. And then I don't know if it's on that day that I noticed that I was in a room with, with like people with other types of disabilities, but I guess what the point where I really knew that I was in a room with like other people with different types of disabilities when was when uh <clears throat> when I met uh William. Yes. Uh because I knew William from a friend that I had in another uh, part of Plano, like West Plano. Uh, right. I knew like his cousin and I was friends with him and then he talked about William. Mm -hmm. So that's how I knew about him. And then when I knew, when I saw William, I was like, okay, this room is uh, for people with all types of disabilities. And exactly. it's like, and, and I think on the first day you did say that this, this space is like the, 
quiet room. I, I, I forgot the exact words what he said, but it was like a room where people go to to do their stuff. It's like, it, it's like it can be quiet. I can right. make it quiet. It's a little of like, everything, actually. <laughs> yeah. I guess like on the beginning, the beginning of senior year, uh, it was so much different from um, junior year and what I did for junior year. Uh, uh, so for the listeners listening and you were wondering what 504 was, it was basically, um, it's not as intense as special education if you were right. under special education. Right. And we, they weren't able to offer the different, the different things that we were. And, um, you know, I know that 504 had their testing room and, Mm-hmm. And you weren't able to get like homework help or classwork help time. Yeah, because that's just not what it's it's not yeah. meant for that. Yeah. So I guess on the first day, I I was thinking that I would do what I did for junior year, which was a lot of alone time, where uh, my teachers would send me to a specific room where uh, the teacher wasn't there, and then I would just like roll my huge CCTV. So CCTVs are magnification devices and it yes. helps me magnify the text i would like it, it was on a cart because it was like so big and then i would roll it down to that classroom and right. uh do my test there and nobody was there so i thought like i would do everything by myself but then like i guess slowly i knew that i could get more help and be and get more stuff done if i were to ask more so that's right. why I guess like I came in more and more later on, and and then like eventually practically living in your classroom. Yeah, you were there so. a lot at the at the end, and then of course that was all cut off after you know this pandemic and not going back to yeah to school. That was just of course weird, weird for everybody, I'm sure. Oh yeah, and yeah, it was definitely weird for me because I I I like did receive a lot of emails from you and. Uh, my uh, TBI, some teachers for teacher for the blind and impaired, uh, right. asking me like, what's the best way to help you? Like, I'm sure, I'm sure, like you, you, like, it really differed from like what we did in person. Yeah, and that's true. I guess like the uh, the point where I really knew that going into your uh, room was like a huge benefit for for me personally was when uh, I was doing. Uh, preparing for the uh, I forgot exactly what the name is but remember in English class we had like this uh, huge oral exam oh and, oh, oh my gosh yeah. yes oh that was that the was... hardest day of my teaching career <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you call it either but I was sweating bricks I had to go home and take a shower because oh. I was so afraid I was going to mess that up for you. You were timed. Yeah. We had, oh, wow. Okay. I think it was called the IOA, I think. Yeah. Something like that. But anyways, uh, so basically uh, for the listeners listening, it's basically an oral exam where uh, the teacher, uh, so throughout your English class, uh, if you senior, you read like books and then you analyze them, but then like, the or exam like the teacher can present you uh a, a selection from uh the three texts that we read so far throughout the school year so there were three texts and then um 
basically you would have to provide commentary. So do analysis over it. And what made it really hard for me was because uh, people could take notes and then they can look off of their notes and then basically speak seamlessly um, and then provide commentary. But uh, (laughs) since I'm visually impaired, I cannot read my notes quickly enough. And if I were to do that, I would come off as being really jagged, not, it's not, not natural, not organic in how I speak. So, yeah. And then you were having, you had to tell me exactly where to put the note. And then of course I'm having to jot down fast because we're being Mm -hmm. timed, uh, what you're saying. And then that was one room. I can't remember exactly how it went. And then we went to the other room. Yeah. So I also brought like a portable CCTV and more portable one. And I set it down in the second room. So the second room would be the testing room. And the first room would be the, so uh, the room where you did note taking to uh, do your actual record. They actually recorded you and they sent it off to IB, like a committee in IB to like grade you. So, and also there was the pressure where the teacher also graded you and it submitted her scores. And if the IB committee thought that, so, so IB is um, International Baccalaureate and it's like a global, kind of sort of like an AP thing, but it's, it's global. And if the IB committee thought that my teacher's scores were inadequate, they would lower the whole class's grade. Like the whole, wow. like it, it was- um, So that was super pressure. <laughs> yeah, it was super pressure for my teacher too. So I, I knew that I had to do well and yeah, like taking notes. I remember like I had a lot of, you, you brought me a stack of printer papers. I remember, I remember I had like a Sharpie and then, uh, I wrote like, uh, notes, but then like, I remember I put them in like six different parts and then like, I I think I did a a signal to you and then you were like, know when to give me that paper in. Exactly. Well, yeah. the thing is, is that I think we sort of figured that out as we went along. Oh, uh, yeah. The, for the first room, I remember reading the passage or reading part of the passage over and over again. And then mm-hmm. I guess you were giving me notes to write. And you were mm-hmm. also taking notes on, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, for your listeners, uh, we had blank paper, a copy paper for you, it, even in our room, uh, when mm-hmm. you were you know, having to do that and, and even for what was it calculus, but uh, this specific time when you were doing this testing, we had brought a bunch and you were writing your own notes. I was trying to write notes that you were telling me. And then in that second room, I don't know what we did. Uh, the teacher helped us to where we were able, I was able to, you know, you gave me the signal, like you said, and I, you know, the interaction, it worked a lot better. I think the yeah. only thing you forgot was to state your name when you were being recorded oh, yeah. or, or, I, or yeah. something. It was like the very something first like thing. But you boy, talk really about pressure. Excited. <laughs> oh yeah. I like my adrenaline was rushing and then oh, I knew that yes. once my adrenaline was rushing, I would speak really weird or speak really fast. So I well, knew you did, I had you to did great. You did great. But you oh, know, I just you. happened to I don't know why I even paid attention to that because I was busy trying to figure out, okay, what do I do? <laughs> and so yeah. after that we walked out and that was done in the fine arts building we walked uh and we had lunch and and that was like 
total, you know, decompressing. It was so oh, good yeah. to have that done. Boy, that was tough. It was. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about that months prior because we yes. were starting to think about how to do that exactly. Right. And yeah. I hadn't done it before and you, I think, hadn't done it either, but you knew how it was supposed to work out. I was nervous to begin yeah. with. And I know, and I know you were when we, when we got oh, there yeah. and well, that worked out. I thought it, I thought it went really well. And it was just oh, kind yeah. of a, we had to figure it out on the spot and it, it worked. And I know that uh, you had the choice to ask for anybody else and you asked for me to, to do it with you. I was able to get yeah. somebody to cover my class and oh, yeah. I was glad to do it, even though I was nervous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the day. Yeah, that was like one of the more stressful days of my high school. <laughs> that was a big yeah. <laughs> it like the actual like the fact that they record you and send it off to like a whole committee to like grade you it that was a lot of pressure. <laughs> so, that was a lot of pressure. Yeah. So uh I was wondering, do you have any question any more questions that you were wondering that Let's you see. wanted to know? Well, tell me. Because, you know, when we, we never went back after spring break and then it was like, you know, everything was going really well. And I think I was able to help you. And then, you know, my, my mm -hmm. backup teachers were able to help you when they were there and you came in mm -hmm. and, and, um, but then when everything was online and kind of up in the air, mm -hmm. I didn't hear from you a lot. And I mm -hmm. was worried about you mm -hmm. and your teachers, a couple would contact me and say, have you heard from Jesse? And uh, mm -hmm. I know that, it, of course, that was different for everybody. And yeah. because you were in IB, you still had a, a, your teachers giving you a lot of work. It was, oh, yeah. And the thing is, is that you didn't really have the support that you did in the classroom with me because you were yeah. at home. Now, I don't know what support you had at home. So I wondered how, what was that experience like? And well, back in the spring? Uh, I would say that I think it goes the same with a lot of people I've talked to whenever like you're doing a lot of zoom meetings and uh, doing uh, online classes practically. So it's like, you know, they transition to online. Uh, there's right. like a lack of motivation typically. So yes. I would say like <laughs> why yes. you didn't hear from me a lot because like, I was just like really down. Uh, I didn't really feel like, there was much like I didn't know exactly where to go exactly right. so for the right. first month or two I was like up in the air and you know just like uh slugging by kind of thing right and like eventually uh, I like started doing little stuff and then like from that uh finishing little stuff I did more and more stuff and then from there I just like you know uh uh, kept the ball rolling and right uh, yeah so yeah I remember uh, just, at first yeah. at first it was like well when we were told to do certain things at first uh, as far as the teachers it was okay you know it was different and of course we had to figure out the technology and then it got old really fast <laughs> oh yeah and uh, yeah I remember I we did have this conversation I remember you saying that it was hard to get motivated and I understand that completely. I think everybody was in that same boat. So then my, my question to you would be now, now how long have you been in college now? How long has it 
Uh, it's been a, a week right now uh, from the time I'm recording this. So I moved in last Thursday, which is a 14th, on the 14th of August. And uh, yeah, I've been, uh, I've met a lot of interesting people because yeah. people say that college is the melting pot of all sorts of people. And yeah, um, I have made a lot, of, I would say a lot of friends outside of my major. Um, have I told and you you're there, you're, you've met them in person physically. Yeah, because, okay. yeah, uh, because meeting physically, I feel like it's like more natural rather yeah. than like, um, I don't really play any games in particular where like you can meet people online like that way, like right. my friend does. Uh, but I just like, you know, I knew someone who went to Plano East also, and then he oh, connected good. with me and then like, I knew his roommate. And then like, I, like one day, I think on the second day after moving in, I met this guy across my dorm room and then, uh, I got to know him and then he knew a lot of people. And then that's like how I knew a lot of people from there. So, and that's the fun part of college. <laughs> yeah it sure yeah. is i love i loved my college experience um mm -hmm. and i i could have gone back and been a professional student forever but you know eventually you look at a place at, at, if you're a certain age so i stopped <laughs> going <laughs> but um yeah no i enjoyed it and that's i mean you want to enjoy it make the most of it um so have your classes started yet no, it's going to start on Monday, actually. Okay. And, so, yeah, really quickly. I, I and, would be interested to find that, you know, out how that goes, you know, later on. Oh, yeah. Or, you know. I've been sending a lot of emails uh, yeah. to just get my accommodations because what I've been doing, right. doing so far is I've been setting up a lot of Zoom meetings and different sorts of meetings to discuss, discuss my accommodations with my professors. Yes. And they've been really... Uh, respectful and really uh open to the idea of giving me all my accommodations and well, that's actually good. um i spoke to one of my one of my professor and he said that for his 23 years teaching his class he's never had a legally blind person in his class yeah so it, it was definitely a new thing for him let alone let alone for like the whole um college of architecture here so yeah um i haven't met a lot of i tried to reach out to uh, people that are kind of in my position like studying architecture and right uh a student in college but i've been unsuccessful since it's such a unique thing to do um well that'll yeah. come i'm sure yeah it will come eventually kind of like me trying to find architecture major friends around campus exactly. it, it took me a while i only found them like after i think on the sixth sixth day of moving in after moving in because like uh i live in the honor in the honor hall and then like a lot uh -huh. of people here are like biochem and uh, wow. a lot of they're more sciencey kind of major so yeah um yeah so uh, I think you mentioned like you you wanted to know like why I started a podcast, right? Yeah. What made you decide to do that? 
I mean, I, I think it's kind of cool, actually. Yeah, so I would say why I started to do podcasting is uh, I personally listen to a lot of podcasts and I really enjoy uh, podcasts and the, the format would be a little bit longer. Um, it's, I feel like if a person listens to a podcast, it's like a more uh, intimate experience rather than right. like watching a YouTube video per se, because right. yeah. uh, they feel like they're in the conversation with us. And mm-hmm. um, it feels more authentic whenever it's like, you know, it's not all edited and a lot of visuals and all of that. And I feel like the reason why I created my podcast in the first place is because uh, there is like a large gap in understanding about what's it like uh, around people with disabilities and more specifically people around uh, visually impaired or blind people. And that's why uh, a lot of people in these communities get a lot of questions in the first place because there's a lack of education that goes on. And that's often the reason why like younger kids are really tough on uh, their peers that have disabilities because they don't understand what it is so they just pick on them uh and i feel i feel like having this podcast really helps towards uh for one educating people and to also like helping to uh change some of the stigmas and misconceptions that come with being blind or visually impaired or people with different kinds of disabilities and oftentimes i feel like people who assign these assumptions are people that are really not educated or they just want to put something, a label on something that's, that they're not knowledgeable to make them uh, understand or make that thing more, you know, uh, right. quantifiable for them. So uh, I hope that like this podcast really, you know, can inform both uh, people in, the disability community, like visually impaired and blind community, and also like people who are, who are sighted, who are interested, like uh, and ha- have uh, questions for uh, what we do and what's it like to have a disability. Because I feel like uh, oftentimes, whenever per- a person sees another person who has a disability, and they see that they have accomplished something that's you know outside of the norm that the society puts on them and oftentimes they you know put them on a pedestal but i don't i like really disagree with like that because it's not like again like i had a friend who said that like it's not uh whenever they do that it's like they're you know congratulating them because you know they did something great and they were blind because they were blind but the 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 real um, way to think about this is more along the lines of, you know, they did something great because they had the ability to do so and they happened to be blind. So I, I wouldn't say that, you know, I want to be a world changer in any sense, you know, having this podcast to change the world, change the world, how they perceive blind people. I'm not trying to do that, but rather it's just like, you know, to add a little bit and to give back. So I mentioned 
towards the beginning of the episode, I really wanted to give back to the community in some sort of way. And I felt like this was one of the ways that I could give back. So right. I know that was a long answer. You no, know, that's, I feel that's, really that's passionate about this. I mean, I'm, imp- I'm impressed. I'm impressed that, uh, oh, thank you. that you've done this. And I mean, I think it's, it's really cool. And I, I'm honored that you invited me on as a guest and yeah. think that much of me to um, help you out and help your podcast. And I think, you know, this is an education for people and maybe just so they can think, think, think about it a little bit differently. And sometimes you have to listen to other people, which a lot of people don't, to understand and have that empathy and, and yeah. educate yourself. And yeah. And I feel like everybody enjoys a good story or two and exactly, listening yeah. to other people's experiences. And yeah. So and everybody was, does have a story to tell. That is yep. true. It's yeah. a good way to do so, it. It was great having you on my podcast. I really enjoyed well, was, our conversation. I was a little nervous because, uh, you know, asking, you know, asking me questions and I didn't know if I'd be able to answer them. But you're right. This was just like a conversation between us. And yep. so you, you put me at ease and, and um, I may not have had the perfect uh, thing to say, but no, I feel exactly. good about what our conversation. And anytime you want to have me back, that I, we can yep. have an update later on as, as far as how school goes, I will. your school and my school. <laughs> I will. Okay. And that is going to be a wrap.